Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. I want to uh, jump right in to today's teaching text. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 17. Uh, I'm going to read from verses 1 to 13. We did this last week, and I think it's helpful just for us to engage as we read the Word of God together. So can I invite you in your homes to just stand? Um, If you have a Bible, go ahead and open that. Um, If you are watching this whilst doing something else, which I know lots of you do, um, including my wife. So Dana, would you just uh, stop what you're doing right now while we read the Scriptures together? Um, Let's pause as we read the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. Amen. For uh, just about as long as I can remember, I have been captivated by the mountains. One of my uh, earliest memories uh, of life is following my dad up Butter Mountain, which is just behind Spelgadam. I have no idea what age I was, but all I remember was every time I got to a particularly wet and boggy part of ground, I would shout at the top of my voice, and my dad would join me, and we would shout, it's up to your knees time. And I used to jump and put both feet planted into the bog, and the goal was to try and get my feet as deep into the bog as I possibly could, hoping that it would come up to my thighs or even my waist. I'm sure it drove my dad mad by the time we got through the entire walk, because anytime I'm in the mountains with my kids, I'm encouraging them to do the total opposite, because as soon as they get wet wet feet, the day is totally ruined. I remember 
when I was about 14, reading David Brashear's book called High Exposure. Uh, it's an account of the 1996 uh, Everest disaster. And he was there filming for IMAX at the time, and their kind of filming of an expedition up the mountain got totally overtaken by rescuing people off the mountain. There is something about the space the wildness, the unpredictable nature, and the perspective that I connect to whenever I'm climbing mountains. There's even something beautiful about the sense of isolation that you can experience up there. The reality is the scriptures are full of mountaintop moments in the life of the people of God. The mountaintop is a really important place for the people of God. They're typically synonymous with two things. There are two things that happen on mountaintops in the Bible, isolation and intimacy. The the mountaintop is the place where we see people time and time and time again being led to by the Spirit of God to be on their own with God. It's a place where everything else gets stripped away, and it's a place where something happens that doesn't seem to happen in any other place. It's on the mountaintop that Moses receives the law. It's on the mountaintop where Elijah is hid in the crevice. And God isn't in the wind or the earthquake, but he's in the whisper in that moment. The beginning of this text, this moment in the life of Jesus and for his followers says, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. He led them up a high mountain by themselves. We get no detail about how Peter, James, and John felt about this journey. These men were fishermen, most likely much more at home on the sea than they were on top of a high mountain. We don't know exactly which mountain these events took place on, but many scholars agree that the transfiguration happened on the top of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon stands 2,800 meters above sea level. Just for reference, Ben Nevis, the highest mountain in the UK, is 1,345 meters above sea level, over twice the height of Ben Nevis. Why does this matter? Well, getting from sea level to 2,800 meters in the first century is not exactly a walk in the park. I wonder how many of us would love to have been there for this moment of transfiguration or transformation. Imagine standing on top of this mountain as Jesus' face becomes like the sun and his clothes become like lightning. Imagine rubbing your eyes as you look and see Moses and Elijah standing there. It's so interesting because there was no photographs or Instagram. There's no such thing as a selfie. Peter, James, and John definitely did not have images for reference of what Moses and Elijah looked like, but there were something about their aura that made them know who they were. Just imagine that experience. Utterly extraordinary as Jesus 
is transformed. They see a foretaste before their very real eyes of what is ultimately going to come. This is a moment of transcendent beauty and wonder and awe that would take your breath away. I think most of us, I think if we're <laughs> thinking clearly, think, yeah, that would be a cool experience. Maybe that would be awesome. I would love to have seen that. Maybe my doubts or my fears, maybe my struggles with Jesus or the church or the kingdom of God and connecting with it all, maybe all that would go away if I could have had this experience. You know what the most annoying thing about mountaintop experiences are? They happen on mountaintops. Mountaintops are not discovered easily. There is no mountaintop without a climb. And the higher the mountain, the harder the climb. Jesus invited these three to get away with him to the top of this mountain. I wonder how many of them complained on the journey. They were well used to Jesus going to high places to pray. I wonder how many times on the way to the top of this mountain did they suggest, sure, Jesus, could we not just pray here? Can we not just stop here, legs burning, lungs screaming? Have we not gone far enough? We're exhausted. The weather seems unpredictable. Why do we have to keep going higher? Often when I'm climbing particularly difficult mountains, there are many moments when I wonder, why am I doing this? My head fills with thoughts of my sofa and my fire. Will the discomfort and fear be worth it? Surely it would be better to give up all this nonsense and turn back. But at times, I experience something almost supernatural in the mountains, a whisper, a voice calling me higher, calling me on, refusing to let me settle or sit down or turn back. The promise of it being worth it in the end. I don't know about you, but for me, the last year has felt like climbing a mountain. I don't know how many of you have climbed Sleeve Donard from the Bloody Bridge side, but as you get towards the top, there are a number of what look like false summits. You, you look and you think, Jesus, it's only a little bit further. And then when you get there, you think, oh goodness me, I've got so much further to go. And then you get to where you think, I'm nearly there. And then you get over that and think, flip, I've got so much further to go again. If there was ever a false summit for us, it felt like the beginning of December, right? Announcements of vaccines, and we've nearly defeated this thing, only for us to be thrown back into the jaws of a lockdown, and new variants, and streams, and all of that kind of stuff. The weariness, the isolation, the desire to just sit down and wait for things to change. I can relate to them all, and yet for those who have ears to hear, there is a voice calling us upward, calling us on, calling us out of the, I just want to sit down, I just want to stay here until this changes or goes back to something familiar, a voice inviting us to keep traveling. You see, there is an encounter to be discovered and there is beauty to be experienced. Mountaintop experiences, they can be euphoric, but they can also be incredibly lonely. 
in my experience with God, it is often the lonely places that become the most intimate of places. There is a stripping away of distraction and noise that opens our soul to a deeper experience of God that requires, it requires isolation, loneliness even. What if the isolation that we have all become so familiar with at this time is actually not something to be feared, but is an invitation to a deeper experience of intimacy with Jesus. The truth is that this moment will pass. Eventually, it will pass. My question for us as the people of God is, will we experience all that God is offering to us here and now? Or will we sit down or turn back to go back down to something more comfortable but absent of intimate connection with the one who made us and loves us? It is this moment of transformation that carries Jesus and his followers to and through the cross. The promise from the mountaintop is that no matter how dark the valley gets, it will not have the last word. The challenge for Jesus and for all those who follow him is will we hold our nerve when the lights go out? It's easy to believe in Jesus in mountaintop experiences. It's easy to follow Jesus when we're surrounded by our friends and our loved ones in euphoric worship experiences and filled with stories of breakthrough and testimonies of Jesus changing people's lives. The challenge for us is will we hold our nerve when the lights go out, when we're not on the mountaintop, where the way forward seems unclear, where the intimate connection or sense of God's presence seems to have evaporated or fallen through our fingers, will we hold our nerve when the lights go out? You see, our mountaintop experiences are what carry us through the valleys. My question for us today is, when was the last time you had a mountaintop experience with Jesus? My suspicion for all of us is that we are in dire and desperate need for that. And what if that was available to you here and now, in your home, in your car, on a walk, but with no one else around. What if this was a time for you to heed the voice of God saying, come to me, get away with me. You don't need the prophet. You don't need the pastor. You don't need the conference or the worship band. You just need me. It's time for us to climb. James and Hannah, why don't you guys come on up here? It's time for us to climb. It's time for us to echo the words of the old hymn writer, thy way, not mine, O Lord, however dark it be, lead me by thine own hand, choose out the path for me. 
This text begins with Jesus looking at his followers and inviting them to follow him up a high mountain. It's time for us to go with him to the top of the mountain and to hear as those three disciples did the voice of God proclaiming, this is my beloved son. I'm pleased with him. Listen to him. It's time for us to climb. You might be listening or watching this as an exhausted parent today. It's time for you to climb. You may feel like you're losing the battle for your mental health today. It is time for you to climb. It's time for you to climb. You're probably like the rest of us, angry with the world, fed up with what's going on, desperate for this flipping virus to do one, in the words of our beloved Stuart Bothwell. It's time for us to climb, to see the one whose face shines like the sun and whose clothes are like lightning, to experience a foretaste of the new creation that is moving towards us and crashing into our broken presence. This isn't up to your knees time. It's up to your neck time. It's over your head time. It's time for you to be desperately in pursuit of the presence of Jesus. To shake off everything that would hold you back from that. To reject the apathy or the lethargy. To turn off Netflix or to get out of your bed that little bit earlier. It is time for us to climb. To prioritize the voice the presence of Jesus and to experience him in all of his beauty and majesty and wonder. I spent time on the phone this week with a friend and the conversation came to the end and I said, can I pray for you before we go? And they reminded me of a phone call we had maybe six months ago and um, maybe not quite six months ago, more like four months ago, and the same thing happened where we got to the end of the phone call, and I said, hey, can I pray for you? And they said, in the last four months, they've experienced someone praying for them twice, those two phone calls. Can I encourage you this morning or this evening, if you need prayer, if you need someone to pray for you, please don't just sit there or think, well, that would be nice, but there's probably somebody who needs it more than me, or well, that would be nice, but I can't really be bothered to reach out for that or I'm not sure what that would look like or maybe that feels awkward. I don't really like screens or phone calls. What does climbing towards Jesus look like for you? And action that now. Pick up a phone. Send us an email. Sign up for some pastoral guidance. Whatever you need to do right now to climb towards Jesus. And I encourage you to do that. It's time for us to immerse ourselves in the life-giving power and presence and hope of the risen and ruling Lord Jesus. This is what it means for us to be the church. To be radically committed, saturated in the presence of Jesus. Right now, in your homes, your cars, wherever you are. I want to invite you to close your eyes, maybe open your hands, 
we welcome the presence of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, we come to you today in this moment. We come broken and weary. We come frustrated and angry. We come in need. Right now, Lord, we choose you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. And we open our hearts and our minds, our very bodies to that right now. In Jesus' name.